Uh, we're going to get into the Word. So if, uh, if you guys have your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter 24. I know we've been playing some spiritual gymnastics, but I'm actually going to ask you to stand up one more time. I'm going to get you live and loose today because what I, what I believe is uh, that when we read the Word, this, is, this should not be a hurried moment because these are holy moments. And so when we read the word, the Bible actually talks about how this is really for your spirit. And so we are eating, we are having spirit food right now. This is literally getting into your soul. And so what I want to read is Joshua chapter 24. I'd like to make it a custom of our church that we stand for the reading of God's word. So this is what the Bible says. Now, therefore, Joshua is speaking to Israel. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, the Bible says, the Bible says it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you serve. I love that statement. Choose this day whom you serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But this is a statement in the Fry household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to say it one more time. Come on, everybody. Repeat this after me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One more time. But as for me and my house, come on, we will serve the Lord. If you are in the Fry family, we have been saying this for two decades. Every time we pray, we'll pray over our food. This is how it typically goes. Father, we bless this turkey in Jesus' name. We bless these sweet potatoes in Jesus' name. And amen. And then right after that, we would always say, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've been saying this for two decades. And this is a declaration for our church. I pray that this becomes an adoption for you and your family. Because as for me and my house, come on, we will serve the Lord. I want to preach from that subject today, as for me. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in and through our church. I pray today that you would help us to make decisions. We would have better decisions and we would have fewer regrets. Help us, Lord, to determine our decisions and even our direction. I know people are coming in here to get answers from the Lord, not answers from me. And so, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? They need a message from heaven. They don't need a message from me. And so I ask that you would use my voice, you would use these notes, you would use this time together where we would see an encounter with God. I pray that you get educated and get good principles, but I also pray that they have an experience and encounter with the living, almighty God. So help us today, Lord, uh, to do that. We receive your word today. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and we thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in and through these moments. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen and amen and amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much, Sergio. Um, family, I'd like to leap into this sermon by throwing up a graphic on the screen momentarily. Uh, I'm going to show you two different territories that's found in both Alaska and found in Russia. This is where we call it the Bering Strait. This is an area that literally links uh, almost two continents together. Now, there is space in between, but there are these two islands called Big Diomede and Little Diomede. Now, Little Diomede is found in uh, the U.S. territory in Alaska. Big Diomede is a Russian territory, but there is 2.4 miles separating these two islands. The interesting thing about this, and you guys can throw up that graphic quickly, the interesting thing about this is that in between these two islands is the international dateline. And so you'll see you have the United States territory and then you have Russian territory and those little diamond islands. Go to the, go to the uh, other graphic quickly. 
You have another one where it highlights these two, I'm sorry for the uh, fuzziness, but you have these two uh, territories, and right in between these 2.4 miles, in the wintertime, uh, the, the water can actually be frozen over, and locals will say this, they call it the Tomorrow and Yesterday Islands. Tomorrow as in the Russian territory, and the Yesterday Island as the U.S. territory, because when the water is frozen over, here's, here's the international dateline, it's 12 hours separating the two islands, you could literally walk into the future. So they call it Yesterday Island, and they call this Tomorrow Island. And when this water, body of water is frozen, you could literally walk 12 hours ahead. Now, how many of us would love to do something like that? And I'm not saying walk over frozen water and walk over a frozen tundra. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying how many of us would love to get a taste of tomorrow? Oh, if we're honest with ourselves and we took an audit of our lives, I think all of us can either be excited about the future or anxious about the future. We ask ourselves questions like, where am I going to be? Who am I going to be with? For the older generation, you might ask, will I get to meet my grandkids? Are my dreams going to come to fruition? Are my fears going to come to fruition? We ask all these types of questions. I ask my question, I'll ask this question oftentimes. Anybody else ask this question, what am I going to look like? (laughs) Come on. Well, actually, technology is so advanced that there's apps out there that could show you what you're going to look like. It's called a face app. Anybody heard this app before? I was dying laughing looking at some of these photos. You guys want to see what I would look like in 40 years? <laughs> check, out, check out this little picture real quick. So you see me right now. I feel like I'm pretty handsome. But then you see this one. <laughs> Who's that silver fox? Somebody goes, yo, he looks like an old Tim Tebow. That's what somebody told me in the first service. Yeah. I don't mind it, to be honest. I got to be, be transparent. I like the silver hair. Wisdom is, uh, gray hairs are a sign of wisdom. You guys want to see Pastor Josh Teneo? Our worship pastor, y'all want to see him real quick? Throw, throw this picture up there. Throw Pastor Josh. <laughs> Tell me he doesn't look like a Dominican Morgan Freeman. All you need is a couple freckles just speckled on his cheeks. This man, this man's a good-looking man. I gotta be honest with you. Yo, you guys want to see Pastor Chris Mendez? I didn't ask or tell any of these people that are doing this, so they're all seeing this last. Show Pastor Chris Mendez quickly. <laughs> this man looks like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. I showed this to Framingham, and I heard tons of people say they died laughing. Let's, let's show Pastor Cliff Newton real quick. This is Pastor Cliff. Either he looks like a monk or he looks like Santa Claus in the summer. If you guys want to have some fun, go on download the Face app. It is the funniest app on the planet. Um, I didn't show any women on this, not because I'm sexist, but because I'm smart. Come on, somebody. And I didn't show my dad or my mom because I still want my job, okay? So... Um, Technology has advanced where it can show you what you'll look like in the future. But all of us are asking ourselves questions like this oftentimes is, what will this look like? Or will I be married to this person? Or will my dreams come to fruition? And we ask questions about the future all the time. But we can't talk about the future if we don't talk about the two things that determine the future. And the first thing would be this is the sovereignty of God. Is there are just some things that are completely out of your control that you have no handle over? But how many know, although they might be out of your control, we know who holds the future? We know who is in control. And so I want to put some of you at ease and try and do my best to explain the sovereignty of God. But you can't talk about the future without talking about the sovereignty of God. And you have to talk about the decisions of people. Because how many know these two factors really design your future? So let me do my best for those two things quickly. Um, Now understand something about the sovereignty of God. Uh, There are 
theology courses, there are seminary classes that take years to explain this. I'm going to give you some fundamental elementary principles about the sovereignty of God. You have to study it on your own. But here's my understanding of the sovereignty of God. Number one, you would have to understand the, the word sovereign. Sovereign is two separate words, sove and reign. Sove meaning supreme and reign meaning ruler, that God is the supreme ruler of the universe. Can I get an amen? So he is the ultimate power, he is the ultimate authority, and he has ultimate control over the universe. But here's what he says in Genesis, is he says he has given dominion and he has given authority of the earth to humankind. So God in his integrity and God in his sovereignty will not budge into your affairs unless you invite him. This is why we pray, by the way. So many people think that, oh, God is working on my behalf. Have you prayed about it? This is why it is so dangerous when there is prayerlessness because God, when invited, will budge into your affairs. But in his integrity, he will not because he has given authority and stewardship of the earth to humankind. Am I making sense, everybody? Talk back to me today. This is his sovereignty. Now, you have to move forward uh, understanding, you've, we've heard this before, the will of God. How many, know, how many want to know the will of God for your life? We have to understand a few things about the will of God. When you hear the will of God, you have to understand that that means God's desires. So there are some things that God's going to do, whether you do something or you don't do something, he's just still going to do it. I know that's a tongue twister, but that's good preaching. So God will do some things that he's just going to do regardless of whether you do something or you don't do something. This is called the providential will of God. Is he formed you? He, he lived for you? He died for you? He resurrected for you? And he's coming back for you? That is going to happen whether you do something or you don't do something or not. That is the providential will of God. God has good plans for you, the Bible says. He has good plans for you, but this is where we start to get into our decisions. Because you have the providential will of God, which God is going to do what God's going to do. But then you have the permissive will of God. And this is where a lot of believers, this is where a lot of Christians, this is where a lot of people are sitting, is they are simply in the permissive will of God. Which This is what this means. Is you have spiritual information, but you don't have transformation. So you are exposed to principles of the Bible. You are exposed to God. You know of God, but you don't know God. A lot of people are in this category. A lot of people are in this place. You are living in the permissible will of God. Can I just tell you something on, I believe it's in Luke chapter 6. This is in the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus walks into his hometown in the town of Nazareth. So this is where he was raised. These people knew his mom. These people knew his brother. These people knew him being raised up. And so Jesus comes in here saying he's the Messiah. He has the all power. He has all authority to heal diseases, cast out sicknesses. And so he walks into this place and Jesus says this, a prophet is without honor except for in his own hometown. And he only did a few miracles there. So some people got healed, but they had healing power with them and accessible to them. Yet only some people got healed. So they experienced good but they did not experience great. And listen to me, I need you to write this down in your notes because this is a key thought for today, is God will let you live on whatever level you settle for. I, I don't think you heard what I just said. God will let you live on whatever level you settle for. This is the permissible will of God. And we need to get to a place in our faith where all of us understand that God's plans are better than your plans. They're better than your plans. So you can live in the permissible will of God and listen, a lot of us are sitting in this place, and that's okay for a season. But the more you understand God, listen, I don't want spiritual information. I want spiritual experiences. That doesn't mean to make you weird. That doesn't mean to make you kooky. That doesn't mean any of that kind of stuff. But if God promises great, why would I settle for good? Am I talking to anybody in the room today? If God promises great, why would I settle for good? 
And many people sit in this place. I feel like preaching today. Many people sit into this place. And so this is what the Bible says. The Bible says so clearly that if you want to find your life, you must lose your life. That doesn't mean be irresponsible with your life. No, it means simply to surrender your will to God's will. And I'm telling you, God's plans are better than your plans. They're better than your plans. This is the permissible will of God, but you need to understand there is a different will, and this is the preferred will of God. So you have God's providential will, you have his permissible will, and you have his preferred will. And the preferred will of God is not just knowing scripture, watch this, it's becoming scripture. <laughs> you, don't just, you don't just know principles, you experience power. You can live a life where you have access to all of heaven. I just believe this, and I'm crazy enough to be one of those old school preachers that just believes that God still heals today. God still uses people today. God can still do incredible things with your life, even in spite of your weaknesses. This is God's preferred will. And he wants you to experience all that he promises. But listen to me. We partner with the will of God through one thing, and that is our decisions. And so God has a will, but you must partner with his will to benefit your life. Again, he is going to do what God's going to do. But in your personal life, you can live in the permissible will of God or the preferred will of God. How many want all that God has for them? No, I said how many want all of what God has for them in their life? If you want all that God has for you, you have to partner with him in some decision making. And I need to make a case I need to explain to you the weight of decisions. Decisions have so many implications to them, even small things to big things. Watch this. I think all of us have experienced this before. How many know that even a small decision like texting and driving can create an accident? It creates an accident. You get on the side of the road, and that one small decision of, creating, uh, of texting and driving, getting into an accident, can affect hundreds of cars and thousands of people. One small decision like that can affect thousands of people. What happens with the big decisions? How, much, how many things change because of small decisions, but how many things change because of big decisions? We need to understand the weight of our decisions, and when we decide certain things, making wise choices and making godly decisions literally are how you design and partner with God for your future. I want us to have a sobriety with making decisions. Am I making sense, everybody? So listen to me. If God ever made a mistake, and he did not, my dad and I were having a theological conversation. And he says this. If God ever made a mistake, he didn't, but if he ever made a mistake, it was giving the authority of decision-making power to humankind. Because listen to me, the reason so many of us are in the crisis we're in, the reason our culture is in the crisis we're in, it's not because of God. God is a good God. He can turn things that were meant for evil and turn around for good. He is a redeemer. Praise God. Can I get an amen? amen? He's a redeemer. That being said, we take prayer out of schools and we wonder why our schools are in chaos. So we say, we don't, our culture says, we don't believe in a God. And then they blame God for the things that they don't believe in him for. And they say it's his fault when it was our fault. If there was ever something that we need more today is to understand the weight of our decisions. So. Understand something about your decisions. Decisions can affect multiple areas. Decisions can affect, write this down. Decisions can affect your destiny. What is destiny? God's preferred future for your life. This is the preferred will of God. So you must partner in making decisions with God, and that's how you design your future, God's preferred will, your destiny. Decisions also affect your family. 
So listen to me. I'm talking to some of you young people in the room. I'm talking to some of the people that are watching on YouTube and podcasts and online. Your decisions don't just affect you. They affect your future. They affect your kids' futures. We must make wise choices. One of my favorite quotes. You can write this down if you want. This blessed me and it helped me quite a bit. But the old man inherits what the young man leaves for him. Think about it. The old man, your future self, inherits what your younger self decided. Which is why even in your youth, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, those decisions reverberate in the rest of your life. So we must come to a place where we make wise choices. Am I teaching good today? So the Bible would say this. That God has given free will to man, so we must partner with God because God doesn't want puppets. He wants sons and daughters. So if he took free will agency from us to be able to not choose and he chose for us, of course we would choose to worship him. But God doesn't want that. He doesn't want creation. He wants children. So that's why he has bestowed upon us the ability to choose for ourselves. That being said, there's so many things. My mind is running right now. There's so many different things I could talk about. But we need, to, we need to understand the weight of our decisions. Decisions affect destiny. De- decisions affect your family. Decisions can affect your eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Decisions have so many implications to them. So I want to give you three filters for making godly decisions. Can, can I teach this for a moment? Three decisions uh, you need to make, or three filters for godly decisions. Now, to put some more weight on this, the Bible would literally communicate, if you don't follow this process and you don't follow this formula, the Bible in Proverbs would call you a fool. I'm not, I'm not saying that. The Bible said that, okay? Uh, there's some Proverbs that literally say you are stupid if you hate correction. Uh, it's as blatant as that. Like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, like, you have to follow this to a T, especially with big, weighty, juicy decisions, okay? You ready for this? Can you write these three filters down? Number one, number one, you need principles. The way we make godly decisions is through principled decision-making. This is from the Word of God. So understand something about this book. This book is a spiritual book. How many know this is a spiritual book? This this book is not just full of information. It's full of transformation. So because it's a spiritual book, we don't approach it just with our minds. We don't approach it just to read it. We approach it spiritually. So before you read the Bible, you should pray, God, this is what's found in Psalm uh, chapter 119. Open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things of your law. So the Bible is the most reliable source of information that you can build your life off of. Listen, you can build your life off of some of these influencers and TikToks and Instagram, but how many know there are so many things where people are passionate about it, but they are passionately wrong about it? This thing is an ancient book, and this thing has been building people's lives for thousands of years. You can trust the Word of God. Can I get an amen? So we read the Word to extract principles from the Word so we can build, have building blocks for our lives. So here's an example. Um, I was having a conversation with my son, and we were talking about tons of different things. Matter of fact, last week, you guys remember we threw the Father's Day video up last week? You guys remember that Father's Day video? So cute with the kids. So one of the things that I had, I have access to all the behind-the-scenes content. So I'm asking our videographer, Lauren. I go, Lauren, can, uh, can I see my, my son's entire interview, Zion, my firstborn, my son's entire interview? And I'm like, you know, I'm so proud of my son. He, he knows his affirmations, and he does all this stuff. Uh, and then there was this one particular clip that I found. I actually posted on my social media. And, and team, why don't you guys throw this video up here, guys? What's something that your dad has taught you? Um, he taught me I gotta go to black things so that I can see those aliens. <laughs> Kids talking about aliens. Did he tell you anything about God? <laughs> 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 he, 
He hasn't taught you anything about God. Nope. The Bible? Nope. <laughs> what about Jesus? Nope. The Gospel? I, th- I heard you. Nope. <laughs> so he's t- he hasn't taught you any of that? Didn't Daddy tell you the story about Jesus? You said the story, right? Jesus was away from the revelation. Yeah, remember Jesus rose from the dead. No Daddy way. Daddy teaches you. I have failed as a father. <laughs> totally. I saw the video trying to be encouraged, and I'm like, wow, my son thinks I haven't taught him anything about God, Jesus, the Bible, or the gospel. How many know we have a responsibility to teach the next generation godly principles? The Bible clearly says to train a child up in the way he should go. And so although that was a a joking kind of video, we have to approach the word of God to extract principles because many people are looking for voices all over the world. You don't need a voice. You need a verse. In a verse, you can extract a principle to build your life off of. So one of the major decisions and filter, uh, one of the major filters for godly decision making would be principles. That's the word. The second one is promptings. Promptings. And that's the spirit of God. Can I just, has anybody ever experienced this before where whether you're seasoned in your faith or you're new to faith, you just either, the Holy Spirit can just speak to you so clearly where he either says, yeah, keep going forward or you need to step back. That ever happened to anybody in the room? There's been countless times where Nat and I were counseling a, a young man or a young woman, and, and they'll come forward, and they'll talk about a decision they need to make or a job they want to go into or a person they want to date. And I can't tell you how many times my spirit has attested to me saying, be careful. Where, can, I just, can I just appeal to our church? Never neglect that prompting. I have seen people that go into dating relationships or go into business contracts, and their spirit was going off, and they went into it, and later they realized, I should have listened to the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit still speaks today. He can give you promptings. If you don't have peace, listen, nowadays people call it good energy, good vibes, or bad vibes. That's not conscience. That's the Spirit of God. And so if you have and want to make godly decisions, wise decisions that you can build your life off of so you don't have uh, tons of regrets, you need to make good decisions. One of the filters is principles. The second would be promptings. And the third would be people. You need godly, trusted, wise voices to be able to speak into the big decisions you make. And the people that typically make decisions by themselves know they're making foolish decisions. Mm. Ain't that the truth? Come on, I'm talking to some of the parents here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you are afraid to approach somebody to ask for a blessing or to ask for wisdom, because I know what they'll say. Well, you should pay attention to what they say. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes says in, ver- in chapter 4, verse 13. Write this down for my note takers. Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. Watch this. Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. The Bible is giving us two characters to basically compare. A young, poor kid and a king that has all authority and all rule. And the Bible says this young man is better off because the king got into a place of position of authority because he had humility and he was hungry and he asked for counsel. But now because he got into a position of authority, he thinks he no longer needs counselors. Listen to me, even kings need counselors. You need a counselor. You need somebody to speak into your life. Even if you're an older man, even if you're a father, you have multiple kids, no matter your age or space. I know a lot of people that are old, but they're still not wise. Yeah. 
Age does not determine wisdom or maturity, by the way. And so even kings need counselors. So the Bible compares these two characters and says the young person that's humble, the young person that wants counsel, the young person that wants good, good, wise judgments, they still go to people and listen to advice. But the king, he thinks he's the king of the universe and he doesn't need counselors anymore. Can I just tell you, you need godly voices to speak into your life because if you want to make wise choices, how many want to have wise choices and fewer regrets? Talk to me. How many want wise choices and fewer regrets? How many got some regrets? It's probably because of foolish choices. <laughs> Somebody in the back was just like, both hands up. <laughs> we declare wisdom in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. <laughs> um, we need to make wise choices and have fewer regrets, but we need to, first of all, trust the sovereignty of God that God's plans are better than your plans. But we need to also make wise decisions, and we use those three filters, principles, promptings, and people. Is that helpful for anybody? Yeah. I don't think there is a character in the Bible, maybe aside from a couple people, that knows godly, better decision-making than the character of Joshua. We read his story earlier. Now, understand something about the context of what we read, Joshua chapter 24. This man went forward, and he is addressing the Israelite nation. Now, understand something about Joshua. This man is a legend. To be honest, the Bible speaks so much about the flaws of humankind. The Bible gives explicit detail on so many different people so that we wouldn't make gods out of them. Because human nature naturally wants to worship something. And you either worship the king of kings or you worship some kings on the earth. Now, kings would be a metaphor for this is why we have a celebrity culture. We love to worship and honor these people. And can I just tell you, every human, every human being has flaws to them. The Bible clearly and explicitly gives detail on so many different people. Moses. Moses was a deliverer. He took people out of Egyptian slavery and was supposed to bring them to the promised land. But he was a stutterer and he was a hothead. David, mighty king, mighty warrior, incredible leader, awesome guy, heart, heart for God. He was an adulterer. Some people think he was a rapist. He was a terrible father. You see, Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a super Christian, and this man was a murderer. God uses broken people, and God can use you even in spite of you. I wonder if that gives anybody some encouragement today. I know in my knower. Can I just tell you, I am a flawed, broken individual. I know you see some of the good stuff. and Oh, he's, he's a young man. He's so handsome. Thank you so much for that. He's a young man. He's got such wisdom. Can I tell you, you don't get to see the weaknesses as much. And I try and tell myself quite a bit. But we need to understand something is God uses broken people. And so I know you might disqualify yourself and come into church and think, I can never do something like that. I could never lead like that. If I walk into the church or if I got on the dream team or if I started serving or if I led a small group, lightning would strike me down. It hasn't struck me down. I think we're good. All right? But God uses broken people in spite of them, and he still uses them. But this particular character of Joshua I find fascinating because Scripture really doesn't have anything negative to say about Joshua. He was really an incredible leader. He had strong character. He was a pioneer. He was a trailblazer. And he brought Israel from the wilderness about 40 years. He was Moses' assistant. So you could really say he brought him from Egypt slavery and he brought him to possess the promised land. Now Joshua is a prototype of Jesus. That Jesus is somebody that brings us from slavery, sin, to Canaan, which is abundance, which would be heaven. Joshua literally was somebody that brought the Israelite people from slavery to abundance. This man is giving his farewell address. This is his last chapter of his life. He's 110 years old, and he's giving his farewell address. He gathers all of the Israelite nation. 
and give me, give me my keys. I need to sound spiritual up here when I'm doing this. He, he addresses all this, the uh, Israelite nation, and he gathers all 12 tribes. There's a million people he's speaking to in this text. If you read Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 through 14, is essentially reflecting on one thing, the goodness of God. They highlight the goodness of God and the greatness of God. And Joshua is just reminding the Israelite people of how good God has been to them. And can I just function as a spiritual Joshua for a moment? My middle name is literally Joshua, so I'm going to function as a Joshua and just remind some of us, God has been good to you. If some of us would just reflect on some of our past, we would see all the things that God did do and thank God for some of the things God didn't do. Thank God for some of the doors that he did open and thank God for some of the doors that he shut and closed. I don't know if you were like me, but I used to pray for things that thank God they did not come to pass. Come on, can I get a witness in the house? I look back on previous seasons, and if you look back on your life, you could see that God's divine hand was just orchestrating your life to get you into moments like this to make decisions so that you could propel you into your future. I thank God we serve such a good God. I wish I had some people that get excited talking about the goodness of God. I thank God that we serve such a good God that even when you made foolish decisions, I love that he recalculates and he redirects, and he can actually use the detours that were your foolishness and turn it around for good. I thank God that we serve a good God. I thank God that we serve a great God. If I reflect on my past, I reflect on my future, I can see that God's hand was on my past, God's hand is in my present, and God's hand is on my future. Can I get an amen? amen. Joshua simply just looks at the Israelite people, and he reflects on the goodness and the greatness of God. And that cannot be understated. I think for some of us, you need to drive home, and before you have uh, uh, food that you eat, you need to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords to say, thank God that even when I gave up on him, he did not give up on me. You know what religion is? Religion is the pursuit of God, but Christianity is God's pursuit of man. I thank God that he pursued me, even when I was not pursuing him. Joshua just communicates to these people on the goodness of God going on years past. And it cannot be understated, but he changes the corner at verse 14, the verse that we read. Can we throw up the text there, guys? Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15. He begins to reflect on the sovereignty of God, but then verse 14, he talks about the decisions of man. Watch the decision. Go back uh, one one more slide. I want to read the whole thing. So he says to the people, after all the good things that God did, fear the Lord. Serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. And so he says, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt. This is talking about their past. And if evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day. Oh, I love this verse. He says, choose this day whom you serve. Joshua is about to die. He is giving his farewell address. He's 110 years old. And in the time of Joshua's leadership, the Bible says that Israel served the Lord. But in his farewell address, he's simply stating, no more spiritual apathy. He's saying, God has rescued you from so much, and you need to reflect on that. But he has brought you to this place, and as they've gone into the land of Canaan, they have possessed the land. They have overcome many of the enemies in that land, because how many know your future requires a fight? But he says, as you've gone into the land of Canaan, you've actually adopted some of their practices, some of their idolatry. And so he says, in his dying words, choose who you serve. Joshua understood the sovereignty of God. Joshua understood the power of a decision. And again, I want to communicate to all of you, choose this day whom you serve. No more in and out. 
No more standing in the middle. No more being in the permissive will of God. But he says, choose this day whom you serve, whether the gods of your fathers or the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, I want you to say it again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love this statement. This is a decision Joshua made personally. How can I say it's personal? Because he says, as for me. Some of the men in the room, can I just, can I just challenge you for a moment? You need to stop being wishy-washy in your faith. You need to understand that real men worship God. You need to understand that real men get into the word of God. Real men pray for their families. Real men will go into their kids' bedroom at night, even when they're asleep, and they will bless their children. You need to understand that real men follow God. He says, as for me, as a personal decision. But then he says, as for my house, what is that? That's a generational decision. How many of you know your choices to follow Jesus don't just affect you and your current immediate circle. It affects generations, therefore, afterwards. And can I speak to our church for a moment? Our church is multi-ethnic. Praise God for that. I love the diversity of our church. We're not just a white church because you have a white pastor. No. White people are the minority in this house. I love that. I think it's healthy. That being said, that's not to diminish. You know what I'm saying. Forgive me for the, I'm not trying to get politics. Um, But there's a generational blessing upon this house. That listen, to the older generation, can I challenge you? The younger generation needs you. Desperately. Desperately. I know the younger generation, to be honest, I don't know what generation I fit in. The younger people don't want me. The older people don't want me. I'm like right in the middle, you know. The younger generation needs fathers. They need moms. They need examples. They need mentors. Some of the older generation, can I challenge you? You need to lead a small group. You need to lead some kids. You need to lead some of the younger generation. And we need you. And some of the younger generation, we need to learn honor. Because the younger generation will criticize the older generation. And we need each other. We are a team. We are united. And this is where the blessing of the Lord comes upon us. And can I tell you, as the tweener generation, whatever I am, again, young people don't want me. They say I'm so old. They, look, they, they think I look like that picture that I showed you earlier. <sighs> we need to unite. We need to be in relationship and in fellowship with each other. And so Joshua says, as for me, personal. As for my house, generational. This was also a countercultural decision because most people in this time, they were half in and half out. They served the God of the Amorites. They served the God of this land. And can I just tell you, there comes a place in your faith and in the maturity of faith where you just have to say, I'm not going to be lukewarm about my faith any longer. And he goes, I will serve the Lord. I love this. He doesn't say I will serve myself. He says, I will serve the Lord. Joshua chose the purposes of God over the pleasures of man. And if you reflected on your, I'm going to step on some toes for a minute, but it is what it is. If you reflect on your calendar, your checkbook, your friend circle, do you serve God or do you serve yourself? Uh, I know I know a lot of us say we love God and I think it's good and I'm not questioning that. This is not shame or judgment. But I am saying there is fruit that communicates I serve God. And I want to be a Joshua today to give you an ultimatum. Choose this day whom you serve. I love that the text doesn't say, 
It doesn't say, as for me and my house, we will sit in the Lord's house. It doesn't say that because God doesn't want you to go to church. Did he just say that? God wants you to be the church. There is a major difference. And let me close with this. You're probably wondering, what in the world are these chairs up here for? Well, this is the illustration I want to use. Because I think there's a lot of people here. They sit in this seat. They sit in the crowd. And, and, and this seat, basically you've heard about God. You've heard about the things of God. You've heard what he's done in other people's lives. And you're like, you're curious. This is the, the seat of curiosity. And for a season, that's okay. And that's good. I think it's good to receive for a season. You don't need to get active. You don't need to get engaged right away. You need to sit under the word. You need to get some healing from your past. You need to understand some of the godly principles. And you're sitting in the seat, and that's okay for a season. But when it starts to get your two years, three years, four years into your faith, you need to get away from the crowd. And for some of my people in here, the Bible's call is not that you have fun. The Bible's call is that you die. You die to yourself. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Some people are sitting in this seat. Some people are sitting in this seat. The called. And the called is a place where you're comfortable. So this is curiosity, and this is comfort. Where you know God has plans for your life. You know God has purposes for your life. You know, you know God loves you, but you're half in the church, and you're half in the world. A lot of people are sitting right here, and I did it for years. And can I tell you, when you live in the permissible will of God, this seat, what happens is two things are the result. You live in constant frustration and separation from God. This is being outside of the will of God. This is the, the permissible will of God. As many people are called, they know God loves them. Uh, I'll, I'll serve them one day. I need, to, I need to enjoy the things of the world first. And can I just tell you, as somebody that experienced that, and come on, some of my older generation, you could agree with that, that only leads to exhaustion, frustration. And this is where a seat where people know God's word, yet they make decisions for a 30-minute decision costs you 30 years. That's the call. But I think God wants to move all of us to this seat. The committed. So you got... This is the seat of curiosity. I know of him, and I'm interested there. This is the seat of comfort. This is the seat of covenant, where you're flirting with the Lord, you're in relationship with him, but you're married to him. And what I want to ask many people today is I don't, I don't want to ask the question. I want you to ask the Lord, what, sit, what seat do I sit in, and what is my next step? Come on, do you receive this today? Let me function as a Joshua. Choose this day whom you serve. As for me and my house, I can speak on behalf of the Fry family. I can speak on behalf of this church. Let me function as a Joshua today. Choose this day whom you serve. Before you build the church, you need to burn some idols. And this is what Joshua said to his people. Before you go forward in your faith, there are some things you need to lay at the feet of Jesus and simply just say, we will serve the Lord. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give you this decision today. Joshua speaks to all of us. You don't need to just sit in the Lord's house any longer for some of you. 
For some of you, your next step, listen to me with your hearts. For some of you, your next step is either salvation. For some of you, your next step is baptism. And ironically, baptism is tonight. You can still get baptized. And you need to make a commitment in your faith that I am going public with this. Your relationship with God is not designed to be private. And so some of you need to commit your life to Christ. Some of you may need to recommit your life to Christ. Some of you fathers need to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, get actively engaged. Choose this day whom you serve. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask one group of people, if you want to give your heart to Jesus and say, as for me, it's a personal decision, then I'm going to give you that moment now. On a count of three, one, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Please don't wait another minute. Three, would you shoot your hand up and say, I need to give my life to Christ today. I see your hand, brother. I see your hand, sister. Thank you so much. I see your hand and 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 your hand back there. We're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? I want to give one more opportunity to another group of people. If you need to recommit your life to Christ or you need to say, I'm moving from the crowd or the called to the committed. If that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up right now boldly and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Boldly, boldly. Don't be timid. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to pray for you. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus. Say, Jesus. Come on, I want you to say it bold. Jesus, thank you for dying for me thank you for living for me thank you for creating plans for me I put my trust and my faith in you I acknowledge that I needed help and thank you for offering that today I make you my savior and my lord I repent of my sin and I will take my next step in my journey in Jesus' name now father would you seal that prayer in my brothers and sisters hearts I thank you, God, for the decision that so many people made today. I thank you that there is a heart regeneration happening today, God. May their decision like that, I know that their decision like that will affect their destiny, their future. It will affect their family, and they will be blessed in Jesus' name. I declare blessing and favor upon your family and your family's family. There are generations after you, and I thank you that their eternity is right with you. Jesus' name. Would you everybody stand to your feet? I want you to look at me real quick. One sec, one sec, one sec. Come on, stand to your feet. It's time to make some decisions. Choose whom you serve. And so for some of us, we need to make a commitment to Christ. And we need to simply lay at the feet of Jesus and say, I need to burn some idols and I'm going to start building God's kingdom. And so we're going to sing a song together and I want to pray for you. But I want to pray that message would ultimately mark you. That there is no more right in the middle. But you say, as for me and my house. Come on, I want you to repeat it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One more time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I bless these people in the name of Jesus. I thank you that just like Joshua, he got to see people all in for God. Right now, we exchange our stress and we get your peace in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, 
that we would see blessing and favor upon our families. You would help us to make wise decisions. We would have fewer regrets in the name of Jesus. I declare the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to be upon my brothers and sisters. I know we need answers. I know we need some hope. I know some people need some encouragement. And I thank you, Lord, that right now you're bestowing by your spirit upon these people. So God, bless us today. And we worship you. The key